What is up, sports fans? Thanks for tuning in. My name is Fry, and I'm the host of the Sports by Fry podcast. Massive episode today. I'm going to be handing out my NBA report cards and my final grades for the 2017-18 season for each of the teams in the East. Technically, there's still eight teams alive in the playoffs, which kick off this weekend, but for seven, the season is done and dusted. The regular season finished up last night. What a season, pretty massive. Some teams really surprised us, and some players too. Some faltered and struggled like we thought they would, and there was all sorts of chaos and mayhem in the middle. So this will be done in a two-part episode. Basically, this episode will cover all the Eastern Conference teams, and then I'll release a second episode covering all the Western Conference teams, probably sometime tomorrow. Um, This podcast will also be in the form of a YouTube video, so you can find that on YouTube just by searching Sports by Fry. Make sure you subscribe to the channel for more videos there. You can also find both of these articles, the East Conference and the West Conference one, on the Sports by Fry website at sportsbyfry.com. Make sure you check them out. Like I said, the playoffs kick off this weekend, so I'm going to be doing a few other pieces, previewing the NBA playoffs and etc. in the lead up to that. But... Today is all things Eastern Conference team. So without further ado, let's get started. All right, let's start off with the Atlanta Hawks. Obviously, Atlanta struggled this year. They were kind of expected to, though. In my preseason write-up, I said that they'd win 23 wins, and they won 24. I think they ended up with about 58 losses. So... I was pretty close. It was the season they expected. There were some things that went right, though. A couple of the young guys that they've taken in the draft in the last two years have started to really flourish and live up to a little bit of the hype that's surrounding them. In the last, say, quarter of the season, the last 15 to 20 games, Torian Prince looked really, really good. He was scoring in massive bunches, had a few big scoring nights, was really efficient as well. So he could potentially be a key piece of their rebuild in the future. The highlight machine, John Collins, had a... Indifferent rookie year. He showed plenty of potential and flashes, though, that he could be a star of the future. Or maybe not a star, but he could at least be a contributor for the Hawks, which, considering their roster at the moment, is a tick. So it's a bright future in Atlanta. They're trending in the right direction. What went wrong? They really don't have any great players. Might sound a bit harsh. They have some solid, okay guys like Kent Bazemore and Schroeder, but they lack like a go-to guy, someone they can give the ball to and can score or get a stop or can really deliver when they need to. So that was probably the Achilles heel of Atlanta this year. Because they lack that kind of player, they pretty much sucked on offense. And in today's NBA, you really need to be good on offense if you want to succeed. So Atlanta's got to fix that up next year if they want to start climbing back up the standings. For the Hawks season, I actually gave them a C plus. I thought they were okay. I mean, everyone knew they were going to be crap this year and they were, but there were some okay players. Dwayne Dedman and Mike Muscala looked solid. They can actually be maybe pieces that they keep around. Dedman in particular, I think is really good. He battled a bit of injury, so he could be a nice starter or six man for them if they add some more talent to their current squad. Tomorrow night, the coin flip, I'm pretty sure they're decided by coin flip. If there's a tie in the lottery, between two teams will take place to determine whether Atlanta picks third or fourth, before the lottery, obviously, so that'll determine their odds pre-lottery. But if they nail that pick, whether it's third, fourth, first, sixth, if they get a really decent player and add that to that nice nucleus that they've got building, then 
Atlanta are okay, so C plus for Atlanta this year. The next team I covered was the Boston Celtics. I was actually one win off uh, predicting their record correctly as well. Obviously, though, they had some massive injuries that um, dictated their entire season. What went right for the Boston Celtics this year? Obviously, if a player goes down, that creates an opportunity for another guy to step up. And in Gordon Hayward's absence, both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown looked awesome this year. Jalen Brown could maybe be a most improved player candidate, while Tatum lived up to the hype as a rookie. And going into the playoffs, he's probably their best scoring guy. So two young, key, exciting pieces for the Boston Celtics future, which is a massive tick. Of course, though, the injuries are what really put the nail in the coffin for the Boston Celtics season. Losing Gordon Hayward on opening night was obviously devastating, but the really big loss came when we found out about a week ago, or the fortnight ago, that Kyrie is going to miss the entire playoffs and the rest of the year. So that really puts a ceiling on Boston's postseason success, or where I think they can get to. Um, they're pretty well built to be a decent team in the future. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. They're very well built to be a contender in the future, but this year I just can't see it happening, and it's really just down to injuries. Not only did they lose Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, but guys who've been solid contributors for them, Marcus Smart and Daniel Tice, I hope I pronounced that right, are uh, done for the year as well, pretty much. I mean, Marcus Smart might make a comeback in the playoffs, but it's probably not going to happen, so that really, really hurts the Celtics this season. I tossed and turned as to what grade I should give the Celtics, whether it be an A or a B, somewhere less, but considering all the injuries and the fact that they're still second in their conference, I gave them a B. Brad Stevens is definitely going to be in the Coach of the Year discussion after lifting the Celtics to the second seed in the conference despite all the injuries they've had. They've got a first-round matchup with the Bucks, which I think they should win. They should take care of them, but in the second round, they'll have to go up against Philly or Miami and I think Philly will win that one too, but regardless of who they go up against, I don't see the skeleton Boston Celtics taking down two playoff series. So this B is a little bit preemptive for the fact that I don't think they'll make the conference finals. Make no mistake, they're built very well for the future, but this season isn't theirs. Next up is the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, the lack of a first round pick has really hampered their rebuild, and as we expected, they were anchored near the bottom of the standings as well. They actually play pretty hard and they looked good on a couple of the nights this year, but you know, there's only so much you can do with the pieces at your disposal. So I think they finished around ninth or tenth in the league. So solid performance from the Nets this year. What really went right for them though was when D'Angelo Russell went down, Spencer Dinwiddie stepped up and took his game to another level. He was awesome for them for a couple of month period when Russell was sidelined with his injury. He wasn't going out having massive games. I think he averaged about 16 to 17 points and about seven or eight assists during the time that he was a starter, which is pretty good. But it was his heroics down the stretch that actually helped Brooklyn record a few more wins and they probably would have if they didn't have Dinwiddie falling out. So he deserves a massive tick. And I'm pretty sure he's a free agent entering next off season. So someone could throw a lot of money at him. I wrote a piece about the Nets earlier this season talking about how hard they play and how good their offense is, but their defense stinks. It has done for years. And to be honest, if it doesn't improve, it might cost Kenny Atkinson his job. I think they allowed the third most points this year, or third fewest, however you want to word it. Their defense is shit. Not great. So they need to fix that up ASAP if they want to start going back up the ladder. I don't think that there's a lot of guys that can instantly 
flick the switch and change their defense. It's probably going to be more of a whole team philosophy. So they need to instill that if they want to be better next season. I ended up giving them a C grade. You know, what can you do? You haven't had a first round pick in about 183 years, thanks to the infamous Boston Celtics Brooklyn Nets trade. But, you know, they've done well with the pieces they've got. They're okay poised. Finally, after this year, they'll regain their first round draft picks and that'll definitely put them in some good stead if they can add better pieces. But yeah, full season from D'Angelo Russell will also be nice. Not a woeful year from the Nets. Like I said, they play hard, they looked okay, but probably not as good as they would have hoped. The Charlotte Hornets, I thought they'd be a playoff team this year. They were not. They lost about 10 games more than I thought they would which is a real shame. I thought that a couple of their second-tier guys would elevate, but because they didn't, Dwight Howard had to pick up a bit of the slack. And just quietly, he's having an awesome year. I can't remember the exact numbers I wrote about, but when I wrote my surprises and disappointments of the year, I wrote that his numbers, about 16 points, 12 rebounds, and one and a half blocks, were the best averages a player aged 34 or over had in their career, or someone playing in their 14th or later season. Cutting a long story short, Dwight Howard's playing really well despite being really old. Outside of Dwight and, of course, Kemba Walker, though, they don't really have any other positives. Cody Zeller, Nick Batum, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Marvin Williams, all those guys are on terrible contracts. They're all okay pieces, but like I said, they really needed to step up if the Hornets were going to make some noise this year, and they didn't. Might be a bit harsh, but I handed the Hornets a D. I thought they'd be a playoff team. Health issues with their head coach, Steve Clifford, didn't help, and he honestly could be out of a job. The Hornets just didn't achieve what I thought they would, and I don't think they achieved what they thought they would. They deserve to be a playoff team. They could have beat out Miami or Milwaukee or Washington even for one of those last few seeds, but they didn't do it, therefore they cop a D. The Chicago Bulls um, finished 27-55 and 55 on the season. Not too bad. Another team that we thought would be tanking and... Understandably, they finished near the bottom of the league. They did, however, unearth a few nice pieces for their rebuild and their future. Obviously, Zach Levine, when he returned back to the court, was going to be a stud. But the likes of Chris Dunn and Laurie Markkinen as well, he was a really big surprise in his rookie campaign. Both of them look like pretty good pieces for their future. And Chicago's actually in a pretty good spot. With regards to what didn't go according to plan, I don't think they had one guy who played the entire season. Maybe Robin Lopez, but... They really need to get some consistency, get those guys some really, a string of games together. Imagine playing Markin and Levine and Dunn for about a 20-game stretch together. If they all get on the same page, they could become a pretty devastating group. You add the likes of a top 10 draft pick into that mix, Chicago's looking okay. I didn't think we'd be sitting down at this time of the year and say that maybe the Bulls and the Timberwolves both won the Jimmy Butler trade, but it seems like both sides got what they needed to out of it. I gave the Bulls a C for their efforts this year. Passable. There were stretches where they looked really, really crap. But there was also stretches where it looked like they were going to go on a tear. There was about a fortnight period in the middle of the year when Nikola Mirotic led them to about a 10-3 and record, which saw him get traded, but also helped them get another first-round pick, another healthy, asset, another healthy asset from the Pelicans. So, okay year in Chicago. Cavaliers... God, I could talk about them all day. What went right? LeBron James. What went wrong? Pretty much everything else. I don't really know what to expect from them this postseason, but let's talk about the 82 games they just played real quick. 
In his 15th year, LeBron had arguably his best year of his career, played all 82 games, averaged a career high in rebounds, a career high in assists, was scoring 27 points a night, posting a career high triple doubles for the season, just you name it, he probably achieved it. Passed the 30K milestone. He had some awesome milestones he passed this year. That being said, at the end of the day, he is just one player. And the rest of the Cavs organisation was in flux for the whole season. Kevin Love was hurt. Then it was Kyle Korver. Then Isaiah Thomas was whinging. Then they traded Isaiah Thomas. Then George Hill was hurt. Then Rodney Hood. It was a never-ending roller coaster in Cleveland. They did manage to chalk up 50 wins, but... Their defence still looks crap. I don't think they can win the finals if they keep playing the defence the way they have. They could flick the switch like they have done a couple of times in the last few years, but I think that the difference between their peak and the bottom of where they can play is just too different for them to just magically make everything click. I did give them a B-, only because they still managed to win 50 games. They're still probably the favourite to win the East, and if they can find their mojo... Who knows, they could walk away with their second title in three years. Moving on to the Pistons, I describe their team as pretty much meh at the start of the year, and that's a pretty accurate statement for where they're at at the moment. I called out Andre Drummond and said he was facing a big year, and that was definitely one of the things that went right. He led the league in rebounding, had over 15 points a game, and was a beast for the Pistons all year. His new all-star teammate though, Blake Griffin, he was meant to be the piece that helped push them into the playoffs, but instead, they faltered flatlined and then eventually died and failed to make the postseason. At the end of the day, I think that'll probably cost Stan Van Gundy his job. He's currently the head coach and the president of basketball operations, not the GM, I'm pretty sure that's right. So he's probably going to lose one of those titles, if not both. Because of all their struggles, I understand Reggie Jackson was hurt, but you can't use that as an excuse, Detroit. I ended up giving the Pistons a D for the 2017-18 season. Not good enough. The Indiana Pacers, on the other hand, now that was a team that achieved something. I predicted they'd win 30 games, they won 48. Victor Oladipo looked like a true star. Despite whoever else was on the team, he became one of the better two-way players in the league and will win the Most Improved Player Award. It would have been nice to see Miles Turner take another step in his development and really transform the Pacers. If, if he had have done that, they could you know, be looking at home court advantage and... They could make some noise in the postseason, but he didn't really live up to the hype this year. There's a few factors. He missed a couple of games through a string of various injuries, and the dude is still very young. At the age of 22, he has his best basketball ahead of him, so we don't need to panic, but it was a bit of a bummer to not see him take another leap. Hats off to Nate McMillan, the Pacers coach. He probably should have some Coach of the Year votes go his way. That's why I gave the Pacers an A for their grade for the entire season. Oh, a, a minus, actually. They're, an A would have been if they had have got a top four seed. A minus, I think that they're probably spewing. They've drawn the Cavs in the first round. But, yeah, they're a weird roster. I don't really know who their third best player is behind Turner and Oladipo. But if they're smart and make a few tweaks to their team this offseason, then they could, they could be a top four team next year. No doubt about it. Miami Heat, I've never been a big fan of on the record saying that a few times. I predicted that they'd win around about where they finished. I think I was one or two games off. But regardless of how I think the Heat are as a team, there's no denying that Eric Spolster is one of the best coaches in the league. He consistently finds a way to get their guys to overachieve, 
Goran Dragic was an all-star this year, but it was more of a pseudo-all-star. He probably really didn't deserve to be on there. Sorry, uh, Heat fans. But Spolstra finds a way to get Josh Richardson, James Johnson, Kelly O'Lenny looking like 10-year pros. Well, actually, they probably are not 10-year pros, but looking like absolute studs, delivering when it matters most. And as a result, they're going to be in the playoffs and they really could give Philly a run for their money in the first round. It really baffles me what the hell is going on with Hassan Whiteside. He's so talented and is much more deserving of 20 to 25 minutes a game. But as he voiced his own opinion a couple of weeks ago, actually it might have even just been last week, he's not happy playing 25 minutes a game. And deservingly show, he deserves more minutes. He's a star. Well, star might be a bit of a stretch, but you get what I'm saying. He needs more minutes. And to be honest, if he flames out a little bit in the playoffs, and he has another bit of a fractured relationship with the rest of that front office, I wouldn't be surprised if he was dealt this offseason. B- minus for Miami seems fair. They overachieved again a little bit in my eyes. Um, I thought that they could crack into the bottom eight, uh, the bottom four, sorry, of the top eight, but yeah, I don't, if they do manage to get by Philly, they've got Boston, which is handy, but they're not a great basketball team. I'm sorry, I just I don't see it. I understand that Spolz is a great coach, and they've got some solid pieces, but... They're just another roster of just middle ground meh. But they're in the playoffs, so they did something right. The Bucks are another team that fits in a similar mould as the Heat. Again, they won about 44, 45 games. Obviously, Giannis was a big plus this season. He looked like the MVP through the first quarter of the year. And deservingly so, he was putting up stupid numbers. And even though he couldn't hit a jump shot, he was still managing to average close to 30 points. The same can't be said for the rest of their roster, though. Guys like Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, and Jabari Parker, we were all hoping that one of them would step up as the number two guy, but at the end, none of them really did. Jabari's probably going to get traded or moved this offseason. It wouldn't surprise me. And Middleton, I know he's on a, an okay contract and he's still got a few years remaining, but he could be another piece that they look to uh, offload in the chance of trying to find someone else to help Giannis. If the Bucks can't find someone to help Giannis, yes, I know he's contracted for another three or four years, but... He could demand a trade and be out of the door, which would be the worst case scenario for Milwaukee fans. For the Bucks, I gave them a C minus. I thought they'd be better and push to have uh, home court advantage in the first round, but they didn't really deliver. Giannis is a freak, we all know that, but he needs help at the end of the day. That pretty much sums up Milwaukee's season. The New York Knicks, what can I say? <laughs> they are a mess. Things that went right this year, I actually like the moves that they made at the deadline. If you're not gonna play Willie Hernan Gomez, May as well trade him and get something for him, which is what they did by dealing him to Charlotte. And I actually liked the fact that they acquired Emmanuel Moutier from the Nuggets. They didn't really have to give up a lot for him, and surely either he or Frankie Nicotine, or Frankie Natilakina, uh, will develop into a future starter for the squad. So it's a bit of a, you know, no-risk chance flyer on Moutier. At worst case scenario, if he turns into shit, you can just let him walk in a couple of years' time. What went wrong, apart from lacking competent basketball players, the ACL injury to Chris Stapps is obviously the big one for the Knicks. All reports are suggesting that he'll be back for the season opener next year, but if you have a 23-year-old coming off an ACL injury, and don't fail to mention that that 23-year-old is the face of your franchise and pretty much your only good basketballer on your entire team, that is not a good place to be in. I just realised I actually haven't handed out any F grades um, for teams, I've only given out Ds. The Knicks probably do deserve an F. Like I said, they got a D, but really, outside of Porzingis, 
They've got some okay pieces, Moutier, Frankie Nicotine. I'm going to keep calling him Frankie Nicotine. Courtney Lee, Timmy Hardaway's okay. <laughs> They're a mess. I'm sorry, New York fans. You know, I'm preaching to the choir. They need to really nail this draft pick. Again, that's flagged just inside the top 10. It'll probably be the eighth or ninth pick, unless the lottery odds change things. But they really need to hit on this pick. I'd like to see them maybe get Kevin Knox or maybe somewhere like Zaire Smith. There's a couple of pieces around that mark that could be this year's Donovan Mitchell. And really, really hoping that the Knicks land it because basketball is much more fun when New York's good. And at the moment, New York is not good. The Orlando Magic, actually, as I was starting to write... Orlando's uh, piece, they fired their head coach. In fact, let me read you the exact line that I was writing. No word of a lie, I typed this sentence. Frank Vogel's seat continues to heat up. I then stopped typing, checked my phone, and saw that he had been fired. So probably the right decision for the Magic. They lack any sense of direction or purpose. I did like the fact that they got rid of Alfred Payton. Again, similar to the New York scenario with Hernan Gomez, if you're not going to use him, you may as well trade him and try to get some future assets. It might be a protected second round pick, but good players have come out of the second round before, and good players will come out of the second round again. I really feel for Aaron Gordon. He probably isn't a number one guy, as we found out this year. He took another step in his development, had about 17 and 7 as averages, but the Magic are just relying on him too much, throwing him as a 4, as a oversized three, he really needs some other decent teammates to try and take some of the pressure off of him. Then grade I gave the Magic was a C- minus as they prepare for year 62 of their rebuild. Hopefully, they can land a superstar in the draft and change their fortunes. I think Trey Young going to them might seem like a bit of a reach. He was projected to go in the top five or six earlier this year, which is around where Orlando will probably pick. And his stocks dropped a little bit after his March Madness and Oklahoma's terrible end of the season. But enough talking about the college ball. I think Trey Young fits them well and would like to see the Magic draft Trey Young. But if they don't, they need to hit in whoever they pick at that spot. Next up, 76ers. Everyone's favourite success story this year. They went on to win 52 games, secured the third seed overall, which is... Obviously nowhere near where we thought they'd be. A playoff spot was probably on the line and everyone thought that they might creep in, but Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are clearly generational talents and will probably be faces of the franchise for the next decade or so. There wasn't a lot that didn't go according to plan for the Sixers. The whole Markel Fultz saga was one that they probably would have liked to avoid. There was big questions about if he was a bust and the dude had played four games. I threw my support behind him a couple of weeks ago before he made his return and said, let's not draw the line through him yet. But his jump shot doesn't look great. And if he turns out to be a bit of a flop and the likes of Jason Tatum, who went second overall, Lonzo Ball and a few other guys in the draft turn out to be all-stars, then that could really come back to bite the 76ers. You can't give Philly anything but an A-plus for their final grade. No matter what happens from here on out, this season has been a success and is going to be a season that they can launch themselves from in years to come. I really like their core, and to be honest, if I was the GM at Philly, I wouldn't make many changes. I'd re-sign JJ Redick, I'd try to keep all the pieces together, maybe add a few bits and pieces, tweaks here or there, but Bellinelli and Ilyasova have been good buyouts um, that will probably have handy contributions in the playoffs, so thumbs up, Philly, well done.
If you didn't pick the Philadelphia 76ers as the success feel-good story of the year, then you probably picked the Toronto Raptors. They were this close to winning 60 games for the first time in franchise history, but they did manage to win the number one overall seed in the East for the first time in Raptors history. Dwayne Casey is probably going to win the Coach of the Year. DeMar DeRozan was hitting threes at stretches. Granted, he has slumped off a bit, but he looked like an MVP candidate when the calendar turned to 2018, so... Full credit to the Raptors, they revolutionised their offence and as a result, they find themselves with the number one seed and the second best record in the entire league. They're not entering the postseason on the hottest of streaks. They'd won 11 in a row going into a game against the Thunder about two, three weeks ago. Since then though, they've only gone seven and six. What's most alarming about that seven and six stretch is they went two and five against teams that ended up making the playoffs with another close win over Denver who'd narrowly missed out. But it's not the best way you want to be entering the postseason. A little bit shaky for Toronto. And let's be honest, they don't have the best reputation of delivering when it matters most. So Raptors fans are probably biting their nails a little bit. For the final grade, I gave the Raptors an A. That could quickly change into an A plus if they make the NBA Finals or take whoever they're playing to seven games in their Eastern Conference Finals. I really don't want to see the Raptors flame out again. Hopefully, this is the season where they rewrite the narrative. Their opponents in the first round are the Washington Wizards, who are the last team that I'm going to cover. Disappointing year for the Wizards. I thought that they'd be the ones that would play Cleveland in the conference finals, and they were my prediction to win the third seed, or I think maybe the fourth seed, come playoff time, but they haven't delivered at all. Brad Beal has thrived at times and looked like a true all-star. He was probably the team's MVP. Yes, I know John Wall was out for a big stretch of time, so he had to handle the responsibilities, but... You know, sometimes when, if you've got two all-star guys and one goes out, that can mean that the other guy just struggles with the whole defense attention all drawn to him. But Bill looked good. In fact, Bill looked great this year, so he deserves some recognition. Otto Porter and Oubre didn't take a leap to becoming another all-star talent alongside those guys, but both of them look like good pieces. And considering the Wizards have really lacked depth and bench pieces lately over the past, say, two or three years, Having those guys is a good plus. Directing our attention to the rest of that bench unit, it is still pretty miserable. Actually, even in their starting lineup, Marching Gortat looked every bit like a 34-year-old this year, having one of his worst years in a while, so their bench is really uninspiring as well. Sadoransky filled in admirably while Wall was down, and they've got other guys who play okay basketball, I guess, like Mike Scott, Jan Mahimi, Ramon Sessions, but if you want to win a title, which is probably what Washington was aiming to achieve or push themselves into the contention of winning a title, you can't have those guys weighing down your roster. So, bit of a bummer. For that reason, the Wizards cop a D from me. I was tempted to go with a C- minus of sorts, but this was meant to be the year where they took the next step. They had a solid playoff showing last year with Wall and Beal and all their other guys back, ready to go. They were meant to bounce up the standings, but instead, they only just clung onto that eighth seed. They could very well upset the Raptors in the first round, but I don't think that the Wizards are really any good. And to be honest, they're facing a pretty tough stretch in their franchise. They could just decide to blow it up, get rid of a lot of their guys. I'm sure they could trade John Wall or Beal for a really high price at the moment. Or they could manage to find a few diamonds in the rough on the free agency wire and then, you know, build up a contender next year. But either way, there's two extremes for Washington. And they were surely hoping to get the top extreme, but in reality, they're probably closer to the bottom. 
All right, that's all the grades that I'm giving out for the Eastern Conference. Like I said, this is a two-part episode, so the Western Conference one will be up probably tomorrow sometime. You can read the entire Eastern Conference um, report cards on sportsbyfry.com. But thanks for tuning in. Time for me to record part two. Until next time, 